Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 224. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. I saw that the last week's episode got some extra views, or more views than usual. I assume this is due to the PCFX stuff being kind of the forefront of that video. Um, so if you came and tuned in because of that, thank you so much. I will warn you, this week's going to be a PCFX light week. <laughs> um, but if you didn't see, the Ojo Sama Sosomo English Guide went up last week. Uh, thanks to Buffum, who got that posted up on the PC98 bot um, uh, Twitter feed that definitely helps with that game's, uh, or that video's visibility, uh, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I was thinking about when, when after he posted that was just like the, the, the aesthetics of the PC 98 and PC FX are like similar in the way that like, they're both very heavily entrenched in like anime from that era, right? The early nineties. Uh, but I think at the same time, like what the, the like final result of those aesthetics were differs pretty significantly because, the PC-98 has this, like, really highly detailed limited color set sprite art that, that often, like, fills the entire screen. So you have, like, entire frames painted out with these, with these you know, very upscalable uh, graphics that look really nice today. And that's, I think, that's a big part of the appeal of the PC-98 bot. It's just like, hey, here are these really awesome looking, you know, high quality anime drawings from, from the era, although pixelated. But, you know, people, people like sprite art. I, I'm, I'm a little less, like... Uh, I like sprite art, but it's not like something I, I absolutely love or anything. So it's just like, yeah, this looks really nice. But um, but I like that the the the, the <laughs> with the PCFX, the the ultimate result is actually kind of way worse than with the PC98 because everything's like this like you know compressed mess of FMV videos and and like high quality like images that they kind of compressed into like this more expanded color palette. And on like a CRT or something, it works very well. Um, but on on like upscaling it, it just comes out as like this grungy picture for the most part um so either way i think both have their appeal and i think but i think the pcfx is just something that needs a little extra help i haven't really ever messed with like smoothing or filtering on pcfx games and there's definitely pcfx games that do go for that more pc98 look with doing the high quality you know kind of limited color palette sprite art kind of thing um, like, like, uh, Chip Chan Kicks, the, the big one that comes to mind. Most of the cutscenes in that game are not like full motion video compressed JPEGs. They're like, you know, actual, you know, sprites look on screen, uh, that usually have much more limited animation, but, but they kind of have their own, own benefits on both sides. Either way though, um, yeah, that was cool. Thank you. It was big, big help. Um, I am looking at potentially doing, um, a few different games up, up next, um, Zenki, I think a lot of people would say you don't really need to make an English guide for Zenki, but I do think there are things to talk about with Zenki when it comes to coming from it, from an, from an English speaker's perspective. So I think that'll be a short video, but that is something that might, I might do just cause it'll be a quick turnaround time. And I think there is still some value in doing a Zenki video. And then I'll probably also, um, kind of revisit Team Innocent and, um, uh, to, to some degree as well. Sparkling feathers on a little bit of a hold. <laughs> This is how all things go that get put on hold indefinitely, right? <laughs> but Sparkling Feathers on a little bit of a hold. A hold. Um, the reason being is that this week I started playing Nintendoji. Now, if you don't know what Nintendoji is, it is a Club Nintendo um, uh, reward that was only released in Japan, and it's a DSiWare game. I think a lot of people actually, at least at the time, were very aware of this release and within the Nintendo space. Um, but it kind of, I think, faded out of people's minds, mainly because of two things. One, being a Japanese Club Nintendo reward, unless you had a Japanese Club Nintendo account, and I assume if there's like a point value that was required for it, you know, having to have enough points to purchase it, things like that. Like, like there's probably a limited overlap of 
of Western players that had the ability to download that game. And then for those who did have the ability to download the game, it's a very difficult game to get into without knowing Japanese. Um, and so it's something that I, it took me a long time to really start to figure out. Uh, and I will say this game's kind of like a roguelike, I think. I, I've never really played roguelikes, or at least if I've played them, I never really thought about the fact they're roguelikes. Um, so I, I, or roguelike, I don't know which is which. I am not an expert on this genre. This is probably the first game I've really ever dived deep onto this thing. So please excuse me if I say something wrong. Um, but but the reality is that it's a, it's a game that has a lot of um, items in it. I do a variety of different things. There's some fairly complex mechanics that it's not particularly clear if you're not reading the text, right? I can't read the text. So I can't say if the game just you know, describes what you should be doing, though there does seem to be quite a bit of introductory text when you like start different floors and things like that. So I believe they're conveying that information to you throughout. So it's a very challenging game to get into, but it's a very cool game. And, and it's a game that works very well with the DSiWare's limitations. I need to go back and check to see exactly, you know, if there's any solid evidence of this, but I did see that on the, I believe it was just on the Wikipedia page that some developer anonymously say, said that like the, the, file size limit for DSiWare games is like 16 megabytes so very small um and this game is a very um you know it's not like it doesn't look apparent that it's a DSiWare game like I think there's some DSiWare games you can look at and be like yeah it's a DSiWare game but this game I think does not really look that way it, it feels very well made and very um, um well animated there's a ton of it's a really nice game looking game graphically actually though it takes the approach of like the less we have to render the better so like most of the time you're just like in a single room with your character kind of standing in the middle and you don't have any real control over your character direct control I should say or of the camera and things like that so I think they have a lot of resources to work with and because they took that approach i think it saved them a lot of space as well probably to really um make it a nice looking uh, uh dsiware game but yeah it's essentially this game where you are a uh i guess priest kind of thing uh going into this uh this tower that's like kind of has this very dark foggy uh aesthetic to it with a bunch of i would assume yokai or some kind of ghostly figures chasing you around um, and you have to go and basically collect treasures out of this, this dungeon. And, um, there's like a significant number of cards with different elements associated with them. And then different ways you can move using, um, uh, elemental cards that let you like slip through walls, jump, or, or, or sometimes just like, uh, uh, like fly across the grounds. So like the, the, the yokai don't detect you and things like that. Um, it's a very, uh, uh, complex game and it can turn around at any moment where it's like, hey, I'm like 15 floors into this dungeon run I'm doing, and then all of a sudden in two turns, things completely, you know, <laughs> fall fall to pieces and I die immediately. One of the biggest challenges I've had is uh, not having the ability to really read the cards and items that I have in my inventory. So it makes it really hard to tell exactly, you know, what um, you have available uh, to, to, to react to different situations. So there's a lot of challenges when it comes to um, really understanding the, the full set of resources available to you. And I think as, as if you read Japanese, that would be significantly less of a problem. So what I've been doing is I basically have a Jap Japanese Wikipedia page up for it, which has incredibly 
like detailed information about what every item in the game is, what it does, things like that. And basically Google translating that to, to try to, you know, figure it out, but trying to correspond what one of the 30 items are with, with a description on that, that page that I'm also like kind of cross-referencing the Japanese version and the translated version. So I can kind of line up what I'm looking at, um, is a long process. So sometimes some of the turns I do can take like three to five minutes. So it's, it's very a long, slow and, and I think a lot of people would probably have a lot of problem with that. But it's a very cool game, and I love what it's doing aesthetically. And it's kind of funny that it's like this weird, dark, you know, uh, uh, game where you're like, you know, walking around these 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 rundown shrines, and then like you find a treasure, and it's like a Donkey Kong barrel, <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs> kind of thing. It's kind of fun fun in that regard because being a Club Nintendo game, I don't know. Like, part of me thinks this game was not a Club Nintendo game at one point; it was just a video game they were making. It is very in-depth um but like but like it basically you collect different items from different nintendo characters throughout the years like links equipment or or mario items or things like that and they're just called like the sacred treasures or something like that and if you you add them to your collection but if you get duplicates um then it will uh uh sell them for money kind of thing and money is kind of the backbone of this where like you know if you lose or you die or you leave the dungeon you know, your money persists essentially, and you can spend that to either upgrade your character, upgrade the different elements surrounding your character, or um, also buy different materials, more inventory space, um, things like that, or different cards. If you want to bring certain cards, you can buy those cards. So um, it's a very uh, uh, difficult game to jump into as, as an English speaker, but I find it very appealing um it is a very slow going game though like probably slower than ojo sama sasomi which is a game i think already has um uh, you know a it requires a lot of patience let me just say uh in terms of you know the the, the pacing of it and and what it requires the player to do to, to navigate that environment this game is like even more so than that so um, but I was expecting this to be like a little, like being in a free club Nintendo reward. I was like, oh, this is probably gonna be a little tiny thing that I can just like knock out and, you know, five, 10 hours maybe. Right. Right. Uh, I'm probably like, you know, 11 ish hours in and I'm like 15 floors in out of the 50. So I'm like, mm, boy, <laughs> this might be a long journey. Uh, admittedly again, like I said earlier, I think my, my inability to read Japanese is slowing down my progress quite a bit. Um, but, but it is a, a hefty game. And, and I, I, I do think that I am at the point where I kind of have recognized there's some really cool stuff to talk about with this game. And I really want to do a video on this. So, so I think you will see a video on it. Um, but the turnaround time, I'm not really sure if it's going to be as fast as I'd like it to be, unfortunately. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But for now, I'm just playing it still, you know, putting a bit of time into it, maybe like an hour or two every other day um and, and a bit longer on the weekend so so we'll see another japanese game i really need to sit down and, and spend some time with here is homeland for the gamecube this is an online game for the gamecube pretty late in its life like this is 2004 ish i think which is you know pretty much well past the point that anybody thought that the gamecube's online mode was going to be anything um uh, substantial uh, but Spike Chunsoft put it out, and uh, it's an exclusive game to the system. But you can still play it online because it actually has um, the ability for for individual 
users to set up their own servers or basically make their GameCube a server that people can connect to. Um, it's a very cool game, and and I I unfortunately don't think I'll ever be able to check out the online mode um, just because the number of hurdles and hoops it takes to get in there, and also finding a player base. Although it sounds like there is a player base, a Japanese player base specifically, though it sounds like you might need to be invited in. So, <laughs> you know, actually trying to get myself in a position where I can be invited in is a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but anyways, there's a group called Fossil Arcade that did a kind of full breakdown of the online mode of this game, and and I think is a really good resource for that um so i'm actually going to link that you know if you're in the youtube version i'll put the card up uh but in the uh the um i'll put the link in the description and things like that for everything else uh but it's a very cool looking game i think in the case of my gamecube video that's kind of like <laughs> i don't know it's not really a great like setup for a gamecube video but it's basically like hey here are interesting games on the gamecube which is like Sure, like, <laughs> I don't know, but like, yeah, I think I think most of my channel is about like, hey, I'm going to highlight this game because it's interesting. So like, I, I think there's probably a better way to present it. And maybe at, by the end, I will have figured that out. But for now, it's basically interesting games of the GameCube and, and talking about the, the titles, whether that be for how they released, what they released on or or also like actual gameplay mechanics. Um, So one thing I didn't want to do with, with Homeland specifically is just spend more time with the core mechanics of the game itself. Um, because I feel like uh, when I played it last, I, I came off with a very strong impression about it feeling like a very old MMORPG, and I think there's something there to that and, and worth talking about um, that, that I haven't really seen discussed too much online. So I want to I wanna try to dive into that a bit, um, but the problem being is that I will probably need to invest a significant amount of time into that game. Um, and to some degree that's like, well, if I'm going to invest that much time, I might as well, you know, push, push, you know, hard to try to finish it up. But we'll see this GameCube video was supposed to be a, Hey, just throw it together pretty quick kind of thing. And, uh, Homeland being in there is definitely a challenging part, um, there. And I, I the other game I had on that list was PNO three, which I think most people know what PNO three is. I think it's kind of weird that like, I think people are aware of how weird PNO three is. So I don't think it's really worth talking about that much. Um, it is a cool game. Don't get me wrong. I like the game itself, but when I sat down to really think much, think about like, what to say about it like i kind of looked at it and was like i think people know what this is and it's weird that it is what it is but i don't think it's very valuable for me to sit there and like point it out and be like hey this game plays kind of neat kind of thing right um i do think uh, the other games in that list though i either have an interesting perspective on them or or they're just something that i haven't really seen talked about online much homeland being one again fossil arcade did a pretty great video about the online component of that game for sure um so so yeah and that's kind of uh, uh, where I'm at in terms of working on stuff, I guess, for new videos. That was more of supposed to be the start of the let's what am I, I'm playing section, but more or less became, hey, here's here's what's coming up and what I'm trying to figure out for that. Um, one game I did sit down and uh, finish up this week is DC Superhero Girls. I really wanted to wrap this one up because I did uh, uh, like I was enjoying the game a lot and it felt like I was making good, good progress on it. And it was a Switch game that I really want to sit down and, and finish up um, because it is a title that that really jumped out at me being kind of like an open world game uh, with kind of, I say a fashion element, but it's not like a mechanical fashion element, right? So so I do like the, the clothing stuff where you dress up and everything like that. I talked about it last week a bit, so I think I'll probably kind of more or less just reserve my, my feelings to that previous 
uh, discussion I've had there. I think the one, like the, the, the kind of high points of my takeaways of the combat system is, is pretty straightforward and, and, and is fun to play with. And I think they give you some fun challenges in that combat system, along with the characters you play as have some fun diversity in how they, they move and act. It's not just like, Hey, everybody has like a three hit combo. You know, their three hit combos all feel different, different to me. And, and I do think you'll eventually like kind of pick and choose your favorite character in that regard. Uh, but it is, it was, um, I do think the characters have a fun diversity. I wish you could switch characters mid combat more, more often because there are definitely some, um, times where it felt like you were in a position where another character would excel in this, uh, in this, this role, but instead you're kind of stuck as like Wonder Woman, who is like very, uh, ground-based combat focused, but all the enemies that spawned are flying enemies. And she has the ability to like pull them down using like her, her lasso or whatever, or I think pull herself towards it, one or the other. Um, but like the the availability of that attack, attack is not super often. It's a, it's on a cooldown. So like sometimes you're just kind of stuck sitting there waiting for for things to um, you know attack you. So you can either dodge and try to counter them and hit them, or or you're waiting until you know the last is back so you can pull them down and, and hit them again. So I think there's there's some stuff that could have been improved there. Definitely with like the the traversal as well. I think there's a over the overworld's very cool and very fun to run around. And I think even as like just the play as the teenage girl it's fun to kind of find out where you can where you can get to by like jumping around the environment there's things that definitely feel like you shouldn't be platforming on them but when you get up to where where like it leads to um you you find like a little not easter egg but collectible or something you can grab that that you can turn in for a reward so it, it seems like they're very aware of of players kind of utilizing handrails and things like that in a way that you know obviously is not very realistic in terms of the character standing on them but you know being able to reach up on certain platforms by using those handrails it seems like they were very aware of that and 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 rewards the player for doing so so i think it's a fun environment to explore i like the quest system i think the character interactions are great again i don't know anything about dc or dc superhero girls the cartoon but as somebody who just played the game i i I really enjoyed it so if you are into that kind of like more or rather more open to like that kind of kids show aesthetic to to a game Uh, i think dc superhero girls is a great one great one to play it definitely reminds me of kind of the style savvy situation where it's like yes you look at this and like the typical implementation of a game like this is that it's not very good or or like gets by by just having enough there to be considered a video game and then sells itself on the license itself I don't think that's the case of the DC Superhero Girls, and maybe part of that is due to the fact that Nintendo published it, and you know they wanted to make sure they put out a quality release with that. Um, but but it is a game that I think stands on its own, and as somebody who's never watched that series, I think it's well worth um, playing um, as well. So I don't really know how it's sold, to be honest with you, though. Um, it's it's a game that I did not hear too much about. I did look around at the reviews online, and I think my opinion kind of lines up with most reviews. Although maybe I would have scored the game a bit higher in terms of like numerical score i'd probably get it like a low eight if i was going to score it not that we use scores on this website either way (laughs) um uh and i think most like kind of hit around like a low low to mid seven on that um so i i think it's definitely a game that's that's worth checking out and worth your time if it's appealing definitely at least look at the trailer and see but again if you're just not really into that like kind of kids cartoon kind of thing then then i think you'll you'll you know not nothing about what I'm going to say about the game is going to really change your mind. I think, because I think the aesthetic and the the vibe and general tone of the game is, it plays a big role in it um, because when it comes to the combat, it is definitely kind of somewhat straightforward on, on that. So glad I beat that though. Um, in terms of game news this week, I, I was very surprised to find out that magician's dead is coming back, <laughs> which if you don't know what magician's dead is, this was an arcade game 
that used uh, a Wii remote looking nunchuck. And then also like a very connect kind of setup where you put your hand out and you like, you know, basically changed your finger positionings and hand motions to, to kind of aim your reticule and also like shoot spells and things like that and this game is structured like a three-on-three uh arena game from what i recall i i have only played magician's dead once unfortunately it was, it was uh round one in georgia and unfortunately it was like right after i moved that they they moved they opened up that round one in georgia and so they had magician's dead there and i would have loved to go and spend a bunch of time with it it's one of those games you know where you have to really you know go back and play over and over and over again to get the full experience if you just sit down and try to play it you know once and see if you like it you're gonna get the tutorial you're gonna get one mock battle and chances are you're not really gonna know what you're doing or how how to play the game um so it's definitely that kind of more uh modern arcade experience where you're creating like an account system and playing a game long term rather than just like you know i'm gonna pop in a quarter and play some pac-man real quick kind of thing uh or at least there's a roadmap until you can get to that point right um, anyways, so I was very excited that, um, to see that this thing is coming back. It's weird because it shut down like in 2018. So I don't know why it's coming back. And I don't like, this was pre COVID. So it's not like the game shut down because of, you know, extraneous circumstances of the, of the arcade environment. It just naturally shut down, at least as far as I'm aware. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of weird to see it come back, but it's very cool that it is. It's coming to PlayStation four specifically, uh, not a PlayStation five version, weirdly enough. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do about those controls, to be honest with you, given that the PlayStation 4 controller doesn't have the ability to track your finger <laughs> movements without, like, you know, pressing buttons. So I'll be curious to see how they handle that. I wonder if they'll try to replicate that kind of experience on a controller by maybe, like, having you hold down multiple buttons or something like that to do certain moves. Um, or if they're just going to be like, whatever, press the button and that attack happens, basically. Make it more like a standard video game. But at that point, I kind of feel like a lot of the um, particular charm of that game, at least from a, like, initial novelty perspective um would be kind of lost so i'm curious to see more they said they're going to be at tokyo game show with it uh it has a subtitle i don't remember what it is uh force of the soul i think is what it is um anyways but but uh, apparently it's coming very cool that is one of those announcements that like if that was an e3 announcement i would be freaking out i'd be like yeah (laughs) but just dead why yes if you're E3 announcement or any kind of game conference announcement, the first reaction I have is why? That is what I'm going to be most excited because that means I never expected it. Like whenever you show off most of the things, it's like, oh, here's the new Zelda. And it's like, yeah, it's a new Zelda. And sure, it's cool to learn more about it. But I knew this was coming in some way or fashion, right? If you asked me if Magician's Dead was ever coming back, I would have been like, no way, man. <laughs> so I love it. That's why Phantom Dust 2 is the best E3 announcement despite the game ever uh, being canceled uh, before it actually came out. <laughs> um, um, there's also an update from Yuji Naka this week that basically kind of, uh, said what he's doing post Balan wonder world. Um, and it sounds like he is, is back to doing kind of personal project unity stuff. If you don't know before he was at square Enix, um, he, he kind of made a change to focus more on programming. Um, and so he was making smaller titles. He made, uh, as, as far as I'm aware, he was kind of the lead programmer on, uh, Pirate of Coin and, and Legend of Coin for mobile, which are basically those kind of like arcade coin games, but for mobile kind of thing. And so they have like an element there where like you, you push the coins off. And then in the case of Pirate of Coin, you have the ships that are on, on the top part of the screen, like battling each other 
and depending on how many point coins you push down or what point coins you push down, like they do different attacks. And then in Legend of Coin, you have like three or four uh, like Pokemon kind of monster things that you can collect. And then the, depending on what coins get pushed down, like different ones attack and different specials and things like that. So it's it's an interesting game uh, for sure. As much as I kind of meme on it a bit from time to time, being like, oh yeah, Legend of Coin. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so so he's kind of going back to those kind of projects. It sounds like uh, he said he's working in Unity specifically. So I'll be curious to see what it comes out. If it comes out under the Pro brand or if he, he has, has, has abandoned that brand of games or his uh, company brand at this point and just will release it you know separately from that. Or if he'll release it at all. Maybe he just wants to have a good time. He uh, mentioned like before that he was thinking about retiring. So I'm, I'm very glad that he... Um, decided to kind of continue to work um on things because you know he's he's like 50 ish which is definitely you know on the older side but at the same time i think there are plenty of people who are very um i don't know like like i feel like a lot of people in their 50s still continue to work in the game industry and i am always glad to see you know them them continue especially when you know it's pretty clear yuji naka uh, is pretty set for life at this point in terms of if you follow his Twitter feed and like the hobbies he has, he, he lives kind of like a very, uh, extraordinary, uh, uh, life in terms of his hobbies. And I think, I imagine a lot of those are pretty expensive. So I get the feeling Yuji Naka is doing all right, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see him continue to do that. I'm looking forward to see whatever he ends up, uh, conjuring up at some point, but you know, I don't think anybody who's a fan of Yuji Naka's, you know, really old history of or, or sega history of games basically i don't think anyone from there is going to really um appreciate what he's pushing out again not really a big deal but i just find uh it, you know what he's doing kind of fascinating uh that he's he especially since he went back from being like a director to being a programmer so so yeah um gr- speaking of mobile though uh grimoire of souls we talked about this a couple of weeks ago but the new the castlevania mobile game that kind of got canned i don't know if it ever got out of beta or not but um but the the game had released i believe on android and then got shut down after a handful of months um uh that is finally re-releasing or finally it re-released on ios so they will be it's a part of the exclusive apple arcade setup i haven't really looked to see if it is um like has any unique content if it's building off like the last update from the previous version or if it's like starting from the beginning and they're going to reintroduce elements as they go through um but i think it's very cool that that game has come back and i I did see a lot of the um typical people i know in the castlevania fan base uh continuing to 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 talk about it so i'm glad to see that i will not play unfortunately just because i don't really play mobile games very often anymore although if it came to like the switch or something i probably would give it a go it's just a lot more accessible there i prefer button controls personally because i'm an old man uh, but but I, I'm, I'm glad to see it, it, it come back and, and we'll live for a period of time at least, right? The, being a service game, it will go away eventually, uh, but hopefully somebody is uh, doing the packet sniffing work or whatever they need to do to make it so we can rebuild that in the future. Uh, that will not be me, though, because I am not smart enough. <laughs> um, and more personal Ben news of things that I'm interested in, although I don't think that many people are like, super excited about Grimoire Souls or Yuji Naka's like, individual Legend of Coin 2 release or something. Um, uh, I was looking at Prepar this week, the, the latest Prepar game, and I noticed one thing that was was pretty cool is that they, um, they've kind of updated the cards. So if you don't know, Prepar is one of those like fashion rhythm games, I, I like to call them, but they're arcade games that have fashion elements that so you basically get these cards that print out of the machine and they have like clothing on them and you put those clothing on and you get uh, different scores based off, off the clothes you have. And so you kind of build up a collection of cards that's kind of your wardrobe that you can equip your character in. It's a very fun series. If you want to know more about that kind of thing, check out my video on a Tokadol 
also Happy Dance Collection um, is a very similar system uh, for its story mode, uh, minus the uh, card aspect because it is a Wii game. Um, but you do have a very similar flow in terms of, of how that game's story mode works. Uh, but the cards themselves now have, have changed. Apparently, they're not just like your standard uh, printed cards that they do. They have, um, well, they're still printed, uh, but they have like this um, see-through element to them. So the character kind of prints over the see-through background. And then there's like this very fancy kind of, um, the word coming to my mind at the moment is engraving, but it's almost like a princess crown looking thing, right? Uh, on the top of the card. And I think that's like really cool that they 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 went ahead and like prettied those cards up. Obviously that's gonna make it very difficult to actually fit them properly in any kind of like card case kind of thing. Uh, assuming that they are the standard card height otherwise, maybe if they're shorter, but just like the cut top, maybe they'll fit in there just fine. But but I like that they're, they're taking the time to really kind of uh, create a new type of card that has a, 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 a nice, aesthetic to it that kind of fits those games rather than just using kind of the standard cards across the board that that typically print out of those machines i know konami has like a standard set of printer paper they use with like oreka battle and 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 a token doll so they are as far as i can tell they're using the same hollow rolls and things like that although it could mean in the future that if this game shuts down um and and they don't they don't use these cards in the future it may be difficult to get your hands on those those types of uh, printer rolls i'm kind of curious because because of how it, how it is laid out like i wonder if it is a roll of printer paper and maybe like they're just like cutting it at the edges where the um the the like crown aspect kind of cuts off or if it's like actually delivered in stacks or something and it just kind of prints out on individual cards i'd be really curious to see the inside of that machine and what it looks like which is honestly like not that hard actually to do if you're in japan because if you um find a machine that is is low on cards and usually there's like some kind of input you can do to check to see if there's cards in the in the machine although it's not really intended for the player to see um although if, if, if it is completely out of cards there'll usually be a warning on screen that's like hey there are no cards in this machine by the way um so you can't print anything while you're here um but you can also like with the token all that like, you hold down i think the left button for a certain period of time and i think it pops up how many cards are in the machine left for you to print kind of thing so if you found like a load card rule what you could do is you could print out the final card and then uh play another round and i and or or something along those lines and it might tell uh it'll pop up like on a screen that says hey hey go get your 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 um arcade person here to come change out the role and then you can sit there and kind of watch them watch them do it i i watched somebody do that to a um a pre-par machine while i was in japan but it was like a more the previous style so it was just kind of that traditional printer role that's in there which may be the case for this one as well if you don't know ikatsu also recently changed their cards as well which i wonder if this is kind of in response to that although i will say i don't really know when this pre-par last pre-par machine came out um but they have a uh, uh like uh square cards now Although they're they're printed in a diamond form, so like they're they're printed face up with the the, the uh, corners, um, you know, being the top of the card and the bottom of the card, um, and and uh, it, it's it's a very different looking card than the typical one. So maybe they're doing like little card warfare. Who can have the nicer looking card? Um, I would really like to play the new Aikatsu game at some point because it is very different in terms of like it has a dual screen setup, a very like Nintendo DS fashion, um, and and also. Um, you have like little spirit buddies you can kind of like summon with you. And I don't really know what they do at this point. Um, I really want to sit down and play those at some point when I, whenever I get back to Japan. Um, so we'll see. The, the problem being is that like, I, I don't know if I really want to commit to a fashion rhythm game again when I go back to Japan. If you don't know, my kind of um, approach when I went to Japan was like, hey, 
focus on one arcade game because these arcade games demand a lot from you in terms of, of progression to really fully um, uh, understand them. So if you're gonna if you're gonna like go to Japan and want to get like the full experience of an arcade game, I think you really got to commit to the one that you want to play essentially. Um, and and so you know I played a Tokadol the majority of the time last time. Spent like I forget how much money it was, but it was at least over a hundred. I believe it maybe it was close to two hundred. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I, I, I kind of feel like if I went back to Japan, I want to try something else more, more, um, in depth. But that being said, I don't really know what the, uh, current landscape looks like in terms of arcade games. I do know that, um, the, uh, Gunslinger Stratus shut down, uh, worldwide. So that's not really there anymore. And I feel like something else shut down recently. Oh, oh, we talked about Starwing Paradox, I think is what it's called. We talked about that last week. That was a game that I was interested in checking out. I think Bomber Girl is the one that, if it's still there, I'd really, like, off the top of my head, that would be the game that I probably want to invest some time into. It's like a really cool MOBA-style Bomberman game. Um, they did do a PC beta. I don't know if they ever fully released that thing. I don't think they did, because I think that was kind of in bad shape when the beta happened. So... Uh, I'll need to look into that. I don't recall ever hearing anything about um, what happened with that Bomber Girl beta. So, yeah. Anyways, Prepara, cool cards. Um, and then just like some smaller things here. The Little Big Planet servers got shut down for PlayStation 3, uh, Rip, and Vita as well. Apparently, the servers got hacked and they were just like, this is too much effort to fix. So, <laughs> just shut them down. Uh, so, rest in peace. Uh, the PlayStation 4 servers were, I think, resolved for some of the later games, though. So if you if you have a PlayStation 4 version of whatever level Brick Planet came out on PlayStation 4, I don't remember what that was, um, then it's still there, apparently. Um, I, I read the article, but I'm blanking on it. <laughs> uh, there's a new Deus Ex Machina, or not Deus Ex Machina, uh, Daemon X Machina uh, coming out. So that's kind of neat, although I never played the original one. Um, so I will probably never talk about this again unless something particular catches my eye. Um, and then there's a rumor going around that, uh, Nintendo 64 games are coming to Nintendo Switch Online. I don't have a lot to say about this. And I think really the reason why this is on my list is because when my friend mentioned this to me, I kind of had this moment of just like, yeah, that's definitely cool. Like accessibility for Nintendo 64 games, awesome. Definitely do it. Like whenever you can. Nintendo 64 emulation is kind of a pain to my understanding. So the more avenues that you can easily play those games without having to have the original physical copy or original hardware, things like that, I am all for. Um, but just like the games that will probably get released on that are probably the ones that have been on the previous virtual console services. So, you know, I'll be excited when I see something cool that comes out on those platforms. Um, but for now, I'm going to expect the usuals if it does happen. Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, Smash Brothers, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. Cool, but again, I just, uh, there's plenty of ways to, to play those, I feel like. And, and I, I'm looking forward to see if they actually add on any other games. Being a subscription service, that might help a little bit. Although apparently the, the rumor is that they'll be charging more um, to, to play the Nintendo 64 stuff specifically. So maybe they'll be a bit more uh, stingy with the pick uh, pieces they pick for that. But we'll see. Again, rumor only at this point. Um, so so just more or less, I only brought on the show just because I, I kind of realized my lack of enthusiasm for such a thing to happen. But again, happy it would happen. Like even if it's just Super Mario 64, one more way to play Super Mario 64 is cool. So, so yeah. Um, and then one thing I, I, I was supposed to talk about this earlier and I, like during, while I was going through the podcast, I remembered this and, and forgot to mention it. It wasn't on my list. Uh, I did sit down and spend some time with buddy mission bond this week. Um, or last week rather. 
If you don't know, Buddy Mission Bond is a very cool, like, detective-style game for the Switch that maybe is not particularly challenging at times, um, but is very flashy, very fun, um, and and feels like very much like a in in the vibe of like a Hotel Dusk game in terms of like the types of gameplay you're, you you have there, a lot of reading and stuff like that. The problem being is that it is not uh, in English at this point. Uh, it's only been localized in or it's only been released in Japan and localized in Korea. Uh, I believe Taiwan and China as well. Um, so, so it's not super accessible. So I'm using Google translate to get through it, which has been surprisingly, uh, helpful. I feel like those games, I, I have generally been able to keep up with what's going on. I feel like I have a really good understanding of all the characters and I've been very impressed by my ability to, to, to follow that game in a lot of ways. And I love it. Uh, but the only problem is, is that the chapters are super long. They're like probably about four hours at the very least. Um, and, and I love to play those chapters all in one go. So setting aside a four hour block for that game is, is a little challenging for me at this point. I probably need to set up like, like say like, Hey, every Saturday morning, the first thing I do when I wake up is play Buddy Mission Bond. Um, it's a very long game too. So, so yeah, I need to sit down and, and really spend some time with it more. Um, and unfortunately it's one of those games that I don't know if I really can do any kind of coverage for at all either. So, so I'm a little hesitant to, to invest a ton of time for the website specifically, at least, because I don't really know what I would say about it other than I love it. Uh, it's, it's one of those games with handsome boys and those boys sure be handsome in there. Um, I am, I am getting a growing appreciation for Chelsea, which if you don't know, I believe Chelsea's the name. Um, if you don't know, Chelsea is kind of like this, uh, guy in like this purple suit, very, very fancy. I think he, he's kind of, uh, has a focus on perfection. If I recall correctly, uh, from his description that he's like, he's like wants everything to be perfect kind of thing. Uh, but one thing he has the ability to do is basically control the minds of others. And, um, and he is unfortunately not, or, or for better or for worse, uh, not quite the person you want to have the ability to control other people's minds. He's kind of, uh, very, uh, I don't know if crazed is the right word, but he, he is very, uh, not afraid of putting people in situations where they're going to die and being okay with putting them in that situation and being the one who caused it kind of thing. And, um, yeah, he kind of reminds me of the trope that you have with like, like Otome games, like Mr. Love. They have the guy that's like, I, I want to experiment on you kind of thing. Or like, I own you kind of thing. I'm not really a huge fan of that trope. It's not my personal favorite. Um, but I do appreciate the like the tension Chelsea brings to the group, um, especially with uh, I think his name is Moku, Moku, Mokokuma or something like that. The, the ninja dude, basically, um, uh, that guy is very relaxed and very, uh, let's say, goody two shoes, despite being kind of a, a womanizer and a drunk <laughs> at times. Um, but but it adds a nice like, you know, tension between those two because because um, the, the ninja dude is very. Uh, not wanting to just kill people randomly <laughs> and we'll go out his way to kind of like, uh, disrupt Chelsea's plans. And, and the other two guys, Aaron and, uh, and, um, I'm blanking on his name, Luke, uh, Aaron and Luke, uh, those two, uh, they, uh, are kind of oblivious to this happening in the background. So it's kind of a nice dynamic. Either way, I'm still loving this game. I love the look of it. I love the, 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 the general flow of it as well. The character interactions are great. Um, I, I was able to like being handsome men game. I kind of fully expected that the audience who kind of would, you know, end up around this game are the type of audience that would like do like yaoi pairing and, and things like that. Um, I definitely follow some Japanese fans that were, you know, kind of 
seemed like more more straightforward fans on that. But uh, I recently stumbled into the Korean fan base, and they are really into it um, in the ways you might expect uh, of, of pairing dudes together and really, really letting them get along very friendly-like. Um, so I recently have been <laughs> following them a little bit just to, to see what's going on there. Um, we'll see if I keep up with them long-term. It's one of those things that, like, I... It's a little weird because I'm not like really into that per se, but I do very much appreciate the passion they have and and they are the ones creating the most fan art for this video game right now. So I'm like, yes, let me look at this. And sometimes some of it is, is safe for work. Sometimes others uh, are, are a little less so, but you know, that's just how it goes. That's just how fan bases like that go. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not here like judging anybody on this, um, but I do think it's something that 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 is a fun thing to, 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 to kind of appreciate the passion for. It's what I like a lot about going to like uh, artist alleys is, is just having people basically splurge about their favorite characters and, and series while, while I sit there and look at their art and I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. Thank you for, for giving me all your love for this game all, or this thing. And then also I'm probably not going to buy anything that you have at your booth, unfortunately, because I don't know any of these characters or anything, but I very much appreciate your love for it. And I, and I, and I, and, and giving me the information. So, so yeah, uh, I want to play more buddy mission bond, but we'll see. Um, very cool game though. I think there's a review out there of that as well from somebody. I forget who it was. Um, so I did not watch the review though. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am working on quite a few things at the moment, not only between trying to kind of organize the next English guide for the PCFX, but also uh, basically putting three videos together that are Nintendo-related between Nintendoji, GameCube stuff, and also doing a follow-up to the Chibi-Robo videos that I did uh, in the, basically one a year so far. Um, so we'll see how that how that actually rolls out at this point. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like, but at the moment I can say nothing's going to be coming out this week, probably. So unless there's some kind of weird surprise that happens, uh, it's just going to be this podcast. And then we'll do the stream on Thursday at 7 PM Pacific time. Uh, unfortunately we were not able to beat Scourge Hive last week. So we'll be trying again this week. I think I'm pretty confident we will be able to do so though. So please look forward to that. Um, if you want to review the game, please come at 7 PM Pacific time. We'll be probably beating the game very quickly. Um, so if you want to be a part of our community review, please come along again. If you cannot make it for any reason, and you want to be a part of that community review, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to get your thoughts. Just me like a bullet point list of what you like about the game. Don't go too deep. I, I don't really hate, want to read full, like, you know, multiple full reviews of a game. Uh, if you send it over to me and I'll just use it as reference while we go through it again, I, 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 I reserve the right in that review process to, to kind of pick and choose what we add onto that board. Um, but you know, I, I'm generally trying to be, uh, a, a mediator on that and and hopefully i'm doing a good job of being kind of balanced um uh, but i do feel like i'm a little bit of a bully where i'm like i don't know oh here let me let me rephrase how we're gonna say this kind of thing so yes um otherwise though once we're finished up, up with that uh the, the stream crew uh asked for us to play some dojin games so i went ahead and installed a handful of dojin games we'll probably spend some time on um that includes sword girl alice um i believe it's called like wizard uh you yuna or yuki or something like that um uh, and a couple other games like the toho uh fist of the north star kind of fighting game 
and uh, I installed a couple other games as well. Um, the biggest challenge with those is just that I don't really know how streaming along with capturing those games will go. Some games do not play nice when I stream them and capture them at the same time with when it comes to running them on my own PC, so we'll have to kind of see what happens there. Um, if it goes bad, we'll kind of eject out into, into some other uh, uh, thing that we'll do. So, yes. Anyways, onecontrolworld.com is the website, and hope you have a great week. Bye!